Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 9. If you're new to Calvary and you're wondering why you came, we're, <laughs> we're studying the book of the Revelation, a chapter at a time, verse by verse. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 21, the topic, the trumpet judgments are so horrific that men will desire to die, but death will flee from them. The title of our message, That'll Be the Day You Can't Die. Father, thank you so much for bringing this group together this morning. We know that you are here because you promised you would be, not only by your spirit, but uh, yourself, Lord, moving among the candlesticks, as you called the church. We pray for your ministry to be sweet and rich and full to believers, Lord, who are here to be strengthened and encouraged by your love. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would convict of sin and righteousness and of the judgment to come, any that don't know you. I guess what I'm saying, Lord, is that we want you to do your work and not get in the way of the power of the gospel. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And those who agreed said, amen. They surged through a portal which had been opened for their invasion, armored, equipped with horrific weapons, riding powerful mounts. Beasts called Leviathans accompanied them. They were the Chitauri, the first major threat to Earth that required the formation of the Avengers when they attempted a planetary invasion as part of an alliance between Thanos and Loki. The MCU has nothing on the Bible. More than two millennia before the Battle of New York, the Apostle John saw an invasion of Earth as a portal is opened, not in space, but on Earth. Revelation 9.1, I saw a star fallen from heaven to the Earth, To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. Out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. No avengers will arise to defeat them. They will torment those who inhabit the earth for five months during the future great tribulation. Their torment will be like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. And then a second supernatural invasion will follow on the heels of that. It's an effort by God to lead non-believers to repentance by showing them who it is they worship. Take a peek in verse 20. Non-believers on the earth at the time of these incursions worship demons. And so the Lord is going to show them the results of that worship and uh, the fact that you become like those you worship. And so I'll organize my comments around two points. Number one, you can be saved by God who is worthy. Or number two, you will be enslaved by the gods you worship. Verse four tells us a little bit about salvation. We know that the gospel is the power of God to save. For God so loved mankind that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is not willing that any should perish but that all come to repentance. God, through the gospel, desires all men to be saved. He draws us by his spirit and grace. Jesus in John 6, said that no one can come to him unless the father draws him. And then he explained in John 12, 32, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. Speaking of him dying on the cross, whoever believes on him, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus is the savior of all men especially those who believe. God's power and will to save sinners will infuse the great tribulation. 
The gospel will be unavoidable. This section of the book is so filled with judgments and weird images that we can easily forget that it is all intended to draw men to salvation. In review, 144,000 sealed servants will share the gospel during the Great Tribulation. A great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues will respond positively to their message and be saved. We saw last week that a great eagle will fly around the earth saying, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. It serves as a planetary warning system to give non-believers opportunity to repent and believe Jesus. Later in the Revelation, we're going to see the careers of two supernatural witnesses to the gospel. And then another angel will be flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Jesus once announced, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Sometimes this is misapplied to the church age. People get up and they say, Jesus can't come and rapture us until everybody has heard the gospel. Jesus was talking about the great tribulation. He was acknowledging what we just read about in a few verses earlier, that everyone everywhere on the earth will hear the gospel during that time and have an opportunity to repent and know the Lord. The great tribulation will be the setting for the greatest revival the world has ever experienced. And so I wanted to, before we read of the horrific supernatural creatures that will be unleashed, be reminded of the salvation of God. And so verse four, they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. 144,000 Jewish men from the 12 tribes of Israel have a seal of divine protection on their foreheads. Not one of them will be harmed or lost during the great tribulation. Whatever news outlets exist in the Great Tribulation, they'll report that this group is immune from both persecution and the hellish attacks we are going to read about. That'll be big news. Just this, they'll interrupt your normal programming. This just in, 144,000 survive a nuclear attack or something like that. None of them will be touched or lost during this time. Now, whether or not a non-believer can see the seal on their forehead, they will see that they are sealed, that is set apart for God. And that in itself will be a tremendous testimony. While all these terrible judgments are hitting the earth, God has his sealed servants. While they're hearing the gospel, they're seeing the result of believing the gospel. Uh, and, and so you can't look anywhere in the book of the Revelation during the Great Tribulation and not see God reaching out to lost men. The Revelation constantly makes it a point to remind us that these judgments are supernatural. The inhabitants of the earth will know that they issue from God's throne in heaven. God condescends, in a sense, to prove his almighty power. We see here parallels to the ten plagues God sent upon Egypt when it was time to let my people go. His mighty power to save was on display, highlighted by his judgments. Our God saves. His death and resurrection are sufficient to save any and all who believe. Believing in him is the essence of salvation. God justifies the believing sinner and declares him or her righteous. Salvation may look a bit different in the great tribulation, but it's always the same. You are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ.
Now let's take a look at the bulk of the chapter where you will be enslaved by the gods you worship. God warns us in the Psalms, and this is from Psalm 115, idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. Ears, uh, they have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. Psalm 135 is almost identical in wording to that. You become like what or who you worship. Verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. The angel sounded the fifth of the seven trumpets. Each of them unleashes a judgment on those who inhabit earth. The star is a person because he is able to hold a key. Angels are sometimes referred to as stars. In Job 38, verse 7, we read, When the morning stars sang, the sons of God shouted for joy. It's a parallelism, so the stars are the same as the sons of God, which is another name for angels. Television commercials occupy too much of my brain. How about you? Slogans and stuff. I, you ever find yourself just saying something wacky about Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper? I, when I look at the clock and it's 2 o'clock, I go, oh, it's 10, 2, and 4. You'll always want more and more. I, and these ad guys are in my brain. I'm, uh, when I read verse 1, I recalled a slogan for a bug spray. I couldn't find it, but I remember it. Insects won't bite. They won't even light. Anybody remember that? Somebody shook their head. Yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> well, you never know. I was going to say your idols, they could have runny noses. But anyway, uh, so the idea, we don't use that. You know, I, I'm, when I'm out back around the pond, I don't say, honey, look, an insect has lighted upon me. I've been lit upon by an insect. It's an old way of saying they landed, right? Now, the thing is here, this word fallen immediately suggests to our thinking an evil fallen angel has been thrown out of heaven, maybe even Satan. However, fallen could be translated light upon. He lit upon the earth. He's a good angel, one of God's angels, who lights upon the earth with this mission. Indiana Jones number 55 is set for a July release. No, actually, just number five. Maybe it will be Indiana Jones and the key to the bottomless pit. That'd be cool. After you read these images, it'd be cool. I've, I'm going to submit a script where Indy finds the key and then it's stolen by Vladimir Putin. A shirtless Vladimir Putin whose name is Abaddon. Abyss is a better name for bottomless pit. It describes a subterranean cavern connected to Earth's surface by a shaft whose opening has a secured lid of some kind. This abyss was commonly understood by the Jews to be a prison for supernatural beings. And we read in other places in the Bible of uh, supernatural beings, angels, who are already incarcerated in various places. If you think about this geometrically, the only place that you could have a bottomless pit is at the center of a sphere, since at that point all directions would be up. I don't know what that means. I don't know if all these people are just floating in the center and they, you know, there's no bottom and they're just held in suspension or what. But it's a, uh, it's a prison for supernatural beings. Verse 2, he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. 
So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. In the DPV audio version of the Bible, it says smoke on the waters as well. Deep purple version, right? Verse three, then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. What insect creeps you out the most? Think about it for just a second. The Jerusalem cricket. Man, that does it for me. I can handle most anything but that, their color and they just come at you relentlessly. They have those little dots. I don't think they're their eyes. Do they even have eyes? Who knows? And, and they, they, this is why you should never have a foundation house because eventually you're going to have to get under the foundation and they live there looking at you, waiting. They can wait years to eat you. I had a battle with one one time. I, I, I couldn't get near it, so I kept sweeping it farther down the driveway until it was in the street, and then I smashed it. They're scary. There is a red widow spider. Did you know that? How many of you are aware of the red widow spider? What? Florida. It's number two on the list of 50 most dangerous bugs in America, and it is in Florida. It's right after the black widow. Two species of scorpion are on the list. And then there's something called the pus caterpillar. It is the caterpillar form of the southern flannel moth. It's one of the most venomous caterpillars in the United States. And I stopped and I said, one of? Did, I had no idea caterpillars were venomous. I'm going to stop picking those things up. Somewhere in the abyss, there is a species of intelligent killer locust. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only these men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. The mention of them harming vegetation solidifies the fact that they are really locusts and not man-made devices. It's a verse that's added so that we can't miss this. So they're locusts, here's what they look like, and they're not going to eat the vegetation. The reason I say this is back, way back in the day, when uh, Hal Lindsey, who's a good guy, we like Hal Lindsey, wrote The Late Great Planet Earth, uh, his theory at the time was that John didn't know what he was seeing because he was seeing the 21st century, the 20th century. And what he really saw that he thought was a locust with a stinging tail was a scorpion helicopter. And that what he really saw was human warfare. And that, you know, he couldn't make sense of it, and so he put it into terms he understood. In other words, John was a moron uh, that, you know, couldn't figure out the difference between a machine and an animal. Uh, but uh, the Bible goes to great lengths to say, no, no, this is a natural thing, or it's a supernatural thing, but it's real. It's not man against man. It's the supernatural against mankind. Uh, man against man, that's the hope you get in these Discovery Channel uh, series, right? It's like, Armageddon is coming, and they show all these bombs going off in the nuclear blast, and that one famous nuclear picture where the, everybody's seen where the... And you know you'd be safe because you'd be under your desk when that came by. <laughs> would just funnel right over you, not bother you in the least, you know? And then they always end with kind of a, a dismal hope that we can quit poisoning the environment long enough to survive as a species. And God said, no, these guys are locusts. And they're not going to eat vegetation. They're going to do something far worse. They won't hurt those who are sealed. 
question comes up, will those who receive Jesus also be tormented by these creatures? And we're just not told. There's a strong indication that they might be because at the end when we talk about repentance, we remember the goal that God has is for men to repent. And it could be that even though those who repent aren't physically sealed like the 144,000 or supernaturally, they still belong to God. And so they may or may not be subject to these judgments. Anyway, verse five, they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Entomologists will tell you that a locust, uh, locusts have about a five-month period of pillaging. They are restricted from killing anyone here, but that's not a good thing. Verse 6, in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. One Greek scholar commented, death will not be just hard to find. It will aggressively run away from those pursuing it. It might be possible to find death to die, but it will be elusive. World War Z, movie that was out a few years ago, you gotta watch all the zombie movies, right? Because you never know what kind of zombie you need to be ready for in the zombie apocalypse. These were chomping fast zombies. Anyway, so Brad Pitt is on the roof of some multi-story building and he comes into contact with one of the zombies. He's not sure if he's uh, contagious or not or infected. But he runs to the edge of the building, and the zombies in that movie, once you're infected, you have 12 seconds to do something about it before you turn into a zombie and it's too late. And so he goes to the edge of the building and he times it because if he gets to 13 seconds, he's going to jump off the building because he wants to die rather than be a zombie. So I don't know what the mechanism here will be, whether they will sting you and then you won't be able to, you'll be paralyzed and want to die Have you ever been in so much pain you wanted to die? Some of you have. I thought I had, but, you know, I mean, I kind of make it up. I didn't want to die when I had my kidney stone, but if somebody had got a hot knife and stuck me in the kidney, I would have been okay with that because I think it would have felt better. Uh, But, you know, these people will want to die because their their terror is so uh, unbelievable, probably both mentally and physically. Verse 7, the shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. I've always assumed they were locust-sized because they're locusts. What if they are horse-sized locusts? Oh, man, this gets worse all the time. Their crowns might be a physical attribute similar to the crowns we ascribe to other species, such as we have a number of white-crowned sparrows in our pond. It's this time of year. They're just getting ready to... Fly away, fly away, little sparrow. But uh, so who knows? If you've seen the 1958 original version of The Fly, think of the ending. The guy who morphs into a fly is caught in a spider web. He still has a human face. Vincent Price watches as the spider approaches with the fly begging, Help me, help me, help me. Vincent Price just stands there. The spider's coming closer and closer. And some other guy gets a big rock and just smashes all of them. Murder. But it's better than being a fly. And so verse 8, they had hair like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. There are a slew of grotesque artist renditions online. Let's just say you might not want to Google them before bed. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots. 
with many horses running into battle. The sound of freedom is a phrase we use here when one or more of the jets from LNAS fly over. These locusts will be the deafening sound of fear and fright. I mean, you'll be able to hear them coming from a mile away, as we like to say. You know what cicadas are, right? Any of you experienced cicadas in the South? Man, loud. I was doing an outdoor wedding in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, middle of the summer, heart of the summer, July. I was dying already. Sweat pouring off of me. It's like people were pouring buckets of water over me. The only one cool in the whole place was the bride because she lived there. And I don't know how she could not sweat. I wanted, her, I wanted her secret, but I never got it. But anyway, I mean, sweat's pouring down. I'm spitting on the groom, you know. Water would collect in my mustache. And he's like taking hits. And to make it worse, every few minutes, the cicadas would... And so I would get louder and louder. And then all of a sudden, they would stop, and I'm just screaming my guts out. Best man is over there. He's got his tuxedo on, and I can see right through his shirt into his T-shirt. It says U.S. Marine Corps. I mean, it was miserable. It was... I can't tell you how miserable I was. I've never been. I'd go to the Philippines and live rather than uh, go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana again. Anyway. I don't know what this means, but anyway. Their power was to hurt men for five months. Are you kidding me? They have tails like scorpions? Just when you thought it couldn't be any worse. And they had as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is Hebrew is Abaddon. Uh, but in Greek, he has the name Apollyon. We know from the book of Daniel that evil fallen angels have limited authority over provinces on the earth. The angel Gabriel told Daniel about grappling with a supernatural being he called the prince of Persia. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these. Meaning the sixth and seventh trumpet blasts. I hate telling people that things might get worse before they get better, if indeed they ever do get better. And so that's what this woe is. Hey, you think this is bad? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's going to get worse in a minute. Because the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Previously in the Revelation, Jesus opened seven seals on the seven-sealed scroll. The first five seals encompass approximately the first 1,260 days of the Great Tribulation. The sixth seal was a preview of everything contained in the seventh seal, The opening of the seventh seal revealed angels blowing seven trumpets in succession. The first four trumpets are judgments against those who dwell on the earth using the natural world. The trumpets we hear in chapter nine are supernatural judgments against those who live on earth. The seventh trumpet is going to reveal angels pouring out seven bowls of God's wrath in rapid succession. Those trumpets and bowls occupy the final 1260 days of the great tribulation. Every now and then you just want to remind yourself of the chronology because you end up in parts of the book that are telling a story uh, from bouncing back and forth and you want to remember that there is an order to all of this. And so verse 14, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Good angels are never bound. Why these are not free, we don't know. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. At the appointed hour, on the appointed day, in the appointed month, and in the appointed year, this is going to take place. 
I think what this is getting at mostly is that once the Great Tribulation begins, it will follow its course in order with no interruption. Remember the four horsemen rode out at the beginning, and I said that they were on scene to make sure that the conditions on the earth matched what God was going to do. There's not going to be any interruption in God's program. Right now, uh, I don't want to get too deep into this, but we feel like the church age in which we live is an parenthesis, we call it, or an interruption in God's prophetic plan with the nation of Israel. Because they rejected their Messiah, God put his plans for Israel on hold. He's preaching the gospel to the world, including Jews, but Gentiles for sure. And then once the church is complete and we're taken home, then he will begin to deal with Israel again, and Daniel's 70 weeks will be fulfilled. And so there's that parenthesis, there's that break. This is telling us that in the Great Tribulation, there is no break. There is just uh, these uh, seals and trumpets and bowls, one right after another. Verse 16, now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. This is a precise, not a symbolic number. He's not saying 10,000 times 10,000. He says there were 200 million in this army. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. We're not told the identity of the horsemen, probably a fallen angel cavalry. It isn't communist China. Again, these are supernatural, not natural. Later in the Revelation, in chapter 16, a reference is made to the Euphrates River drying up so that an army from the east can arrive at the final battle of mankind. We call it Armageddon. That is not the same army we see here. One is supernatural, one is human. Is it just me or are there a lot of horses in the Revelation? These are an unusual species having lion-like heads. And they're a little like dragons too in terms of emitting fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed, fire, smoke, and brimstone, which came out of their mouths. These three weapons, not nuclear bombs, are going to be responsible for the largest death toll in human history to that point. Again, when non-believing individuals try and comment upon this, they see it all as symbolic. Hey, if you guys don't get your act together, you know, you're going to destroy yourselves. You're going to nuke each other like crazy. These are supernatural judgments, not natural. And it's important we get that because they are God drawing men to himself. I mean, when we think about global warming, whatever you think about it, I don't want to talk about it, but it's out there. You think about global warming, men don't think, hmm, global warming, I better get saved. No, they they come up with cockamamie stuff and figure out, you know, whatever they're going to do. But when you see a horse that has the head of a lion and tail with serpents that bite you, you think, hmm, <laughs> maybe, maybe God is angry with us. Maybe we should think about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. Their tails must look like Medusa's hair, right? These grotesque serpents that bite and devour. So I said these judgments are meant to lead men to repent. How's it go? Uh, Verse 20. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. 
And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. The work of their hands is a phrase associated with idol worship. I read so many lists of modern idols. You know, if you try and get a handle on modern idol worship, you know, because you don't see too many. uh, Well, in the United States, the trouble is in the rest of the world, you do see people bowing down to idols of stone and wood that they've created themselves. Not so much here. So we try and say, well, there's, you know, an idol could be this. Uh, Somebody was saying that your cell phone could be an idol. Now, I think I'm obsessed with my cell phone. I believe I'm addicted to my cell phone, but I'm, I don't worship my cell phone. So it, it, idolatry, is, it's, it's much different than that. I will say I'm having trouble with my cell phone. If you, can I have a personal minute with you? Would you allow me? <laughs> so most of you know, if you don't know, I don't want the sympathy vote, but uh, most of you know I have Parkinson's. I have a Parkinson's disease. And um, it's affecting how I order pizza. So I get the Domino's app. See, it's, I get the Domino's app going, and then my hand gets to shaking, and my other fingers like this. And so the other day, I went to pick up my pizza. It was a barbecue sauce pizza, <laughs> which you might like, but it's not something I would ever have bought, you know. And then a few weeks after that, I guess I missed the button for the toppings because we got an all cheese pizza. And so I think I need a uh, some kind of helper. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What an idiot. But I do rock this shirt. Anyway, (laughs) idolatry. Here's Here's a slant on idolatry I want to talk about this morning. It's the desire to replace God with self. Satan tempted Eve to be like God. That was the temptation. Not that, hey, figs are really good for you. Uh, but that, you know, you can be like God. The problem is, like the Bob Dylan song, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but what? You're going to have to serve somebody. Those are the only two choices, by the way. You're either serving the devil in some capacity, whether you know it or not, or you're serving God. Serving the devil has awful consequences. Four of them are highlighted. Murders, sorceries, sexual immorality, and thefts. And so uh, these are things that characterize a world that is ruled over by the devil. And see if you don't think they're in our world now and think about how bad they're going to be in the future. And so the first one, murders. A lot of directions we could go with this. Let's start here at uh, the World Health Organization that says every year in the world there are 50 million abortions. This corresponds to approximately 125,000 per day. Abortion is one of the most frequently performed surgical procedures in the United States. Here's an unexpected oddity. In places where physician-assisted suicide is legal, suicide rates are on the rise as well. They attribute it to what they call suicide contagion. It's somehow, for real, suicide catches on. Someone will kill themselves, and then others who have been thinking about it will kill themselves, and so on. And so, you know, if you, didn't, if, if you were a visitor from outer space, and you, you know, one of the things that you would think, and you had to go back and report home to Mars or wherever, you're a Martian manhunter, and uh, you say, hey, you know, one of the things I noticed about the Earth is that they're murderers. They're murdering people like crazy every day in hospital settings, in doctor's offices, 
uh, on the streets, in homes, you know how they always look, you know, it, a lot of the domestic violence, it, it's people who live together. I mean, we, we murder each other and it's only going to get worse. The word translated sorceries is pharmakia. Uh, it's the word we translate pharmacy, but it has a wide range of meanings. It can refer even to magic, but it can also refer to the practice of medicine. Now, doctors and medicines and surgeries, none of those are condemned by the Bible. In fact, we consider them uh, miracles that God has let us discover, led us to discover. What the word might point to is mankind's selfish quest for immortality. Today, we are messing around with DNA and AI to create a superhuman being. Sexual immorality is any sexual belief or behavior that contradicts God's word. Marriage is one biological male and one biological female in an exclusive, monogamous, heterosexual covenant of companionship to last as long as they both live. Anything outside of that is spiritually sinful, emotionally damaging, and physically dangerous to humanity. Now, what I just said took about 25 seconds, and sooner or later it's going to land me in jail because this is homophobic, it's against gender, uh, and all of this kind of thing. It's coming. Uh, so anyway, I know that's true. Biblical marriage has been under attack quite a while. Selfish non-believers are now playing God by supplementing biology with a false psychology of gender. Thefts uh, seems like, well, that's <laughs> it's kind of minor compared to the other things on the list, but it can be translated dishonesties. And it suggests the breaking down of absolute standards. Mankind has, for the most part, abandoned the absolutes in God's word and absolutes in general. The only thing believers claim to be absolute is there are no absolutes. Everything is relative and subject to whatever I want to do. And so you see, this is about self. Idol worship is eventually about self. It's what I want to do. Of course, it's led by supernatural wicked powers uh, and all of that. That's what's behind it. But it's still the same lie that the devil told Adam and Eve, you can be like God. You can be your own God. You can do whatever you want. And this is the world that is created uh, as a consequence of that type of idolatry. Psalm 78, 34, we read of Old Testament Israel, when God slew them, then they sought him and they returned and sought earnestly for God. That's what the great tribulation is about. God is slaying people so that they might seek him and get saved. And with Israel, you read the Old Testament history of Israel, and you see that they got so far out there, incredibly far away from God, sucked into the, uh, you know, the conditions of the nations around them and, and the practices, grotesque condition. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm off on two tangents right now, so remind me. But anyway... Uh, so people say, well, look at God, the God of the Old Testament, he kills all those people. They go into the promised land, they kill everybody. You'd kill them too if you knew what they were doing. I mean, they, they weren't just slightly immoral. They were grotesquely evil. And we read that there were Nephilim giants around at the same time. I mean, these were guys and, and angels that were having sex with animals. You say, well, why do they kill all the animals? Get rid of everything in that situation, see? And so God is saying, look, I've tried everything else, and now I'm going to have to kill you. I'm going to have to start killing you, bringing judgment against you so that you see that I'm reaching out to save you. And 
That's why the word repent is repeated twice in the last two verses of this chapter. Repentance is the goal of judgment. Repentance is the goal. Thanos chided Dr. Strange. He said, you never used your greatest weapon. Our greatest weapon is the gospel. Amen? Um, Just as an example, the only thing I can think of right now that we sometimes look to is politics. We're not against politics here. We're all involved in politics. I don't even know what politics means anymore, but um, I don't want to be a politician. Well, don't run for office then. But anyway, you know, everybody says that. Uh, So if you vote, whatever you do. So politics. Uh, Just a sideline so you won't hate me. Anyway. Uh, so Gino the other day, he wants to, he wants to have, you know, the people tell you to call your congressman, right, or call your representative. So I, kept, I had to keep going upstairs here in the building. I kept walking back. He's on the phone. He's on the phone. He's on the phone. I said, is this the same phone call? Finally, he says, yeah, I've been waiting to talk to my representative because I want to uh, make a statement about this bill that's going on. You know, you know, wow, my son, you know, praise the Lord. That political science degree is paying off. <laughs> He paid for most of it, so I can't take credit for that. But anyway, uh, he's on the phone an hour and 45 minutes. And then there's, there's going to be all these rules. You, you, you can only say you're for it or against it. You can't do any, uh, you know, uh, talk about it or else they'll just erase what you said. And I mean, it's really constricting. And then about a hundred, uh, an hour and 45 minutes in it, they said, yeah, we're not taking comments anymore. And, he, and they hung up government, right? So let's trust in government to get things done. No, let's trust in the gospel to get government saved, men and women in government saved. That's the answer. That's the answer. Now, in the revelation, God says there are locusts coming out of the pit. There's some fierce horses coming from the Euphrates. They've got serpents in their tails. They've got lion-like heads. They look like men. They're going to do, you're going to want to die. Yeah, we don't want to get saved. We like it just the way it is. Wow. And so I I can't tell you that we're going to have a revival in the United States that all of a sudden Nancy Pelosi is going to start going to church (laughs) and make some sense, you know, but I I don't know. I mean, I can't say that. Now they're going to really arrest me because that sounded political, didn't it? (laughs) I'm sorry. Father, forgive me. We pray for these. No, I'm trying to be funny, but I shouldn't. Anyway, uh, we should pray for our leaders. They need to get saved. They need to get saved. In the meantime, we vote and we, you know, lobby and we do these things. That's great. This is America. We should be able to do those things. We're not passive. But ultimately, our great, I don't want the Lord to say, you, you didn't use your greatest weapon. You did all these things over here and you didn't use your greatest weapon. You didn't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that solves it, really. When people get saved, if you got saved as an adult, it solved a lot of things, didn't it? Solved a lot of things. It solved everything bad in my life at the time and gave me power over those things. And that's what we're going for.